It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for downloading the show on a Thursday. A lot of football to cover on today's show. You're going to hear from BYU assistant head coach, special teams coordinator, and linebackers coach Ed Lamb, as well as offensive line coach Eric Mateos. Both exclusive interviews here on Locked On Cougars on today's podcast. And we'll obviously catch you up on everything else going on in BYU sports news as well. Today's show is brought to you by good friends over at Deseret First Credit Union. We'll tell you what they're offering our listeners here in just a little bit, but let's get out of the way and get going here. This is Locked on Cougars for November 7th, 2019. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thanks again for downloading this show on a Thursday. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, and it's a pleasure to be with you guys for another podcast talking BYU sports. Uh, this podcast is available everywhere podcasts can be found. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, the Himalaya Podcast app, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, whatever you use, Overcast. Whichever podcatcher you use, follow along, subscribe, give us a good rating and review that helps get the word out about the podcast and can't thank you guys enough as I normally say for doing that in advance. All right, talking BYU football heavily on today's show as BYU gets ready to host Liberty this week. I had a couple of interviews I wanted to play on today's show that I did during practice or after practice earlier on in the week, talking with BYU assistant head coach Ed Lamb. He also coaches uh, BYU special teams as a special teams coordinator, as well as coaching BYU's linebackers. We had a good chat about BYU's linebacking core, what he expects from that young group that has really come along in recent weeks, and also talked about the special teams and and what he has seen on that end of things, both from a, a philosophical standpoint in terms of what he sees where the where uh, special teams going in the future, but also specifics when it comes to the BYU football program and special teams as well. Always a great interview, always insightful and thoughtful with his responses. Speaking of Ed Lamb, always enjoy catching up with him. So here you go, Ed Lamb, BYU assistant head coach, linebackers coach, and special teams coordinator on Locked On Cougars. And you've probably heard this question from multiple people today, but your linebackers have the most interceptions as a group in the country. What does that mean to you as a coach? Um, you know, it's it's really, I, I think it's a little bit of a byproduct of the of the coverage that we're running. I, and not to take anything away from the linebacker group, they are, you know, a lot of former safeties, high school running backs, college running backs. Like they, they have ball skills. Mm-hmm. It's not anything special that we're doing at practice or anything special that I've that I've taught them. Uh, they keep their eyes on the quarterback. They patrol the underneath really well. They recognize the difference between quick game and drop back pass, and I, I think that's created some problems for some quarterbacks. And then and then overall, we've played against some teams that are just they're going to throw the ball up and uh and so we've we've played some coverage where we we put some guys over the top and make the quarterbacks beat us over the middle terminology from the media a lot of times when guys throw those interceptions the linebacker got lost to the quarterback what goes into that 
Well, I, um, usually, I mean, to get inter- most of our interceptions have occurred on the same type of footwork, which is staying square at the line of scrimmage, clearing the run game, clearing the quick passing game, and then uh, flipping hips and dropping uh, with depth. And that's that's really a difficult thing for a quarterback to see. And so. You know, the lazy way for a linebacker to drop is to just kind of walk into a backpedal and get to their depth in a hurry, and the quarterback kind of sees you there. If you, if in your mind's eye, at least in my mind's eye, as I as I remember most of our interceptions, it's been we've been running backwards, you know, crossed over running and gaining depth, and the quarterback tries to throw it over the top and just quite doesn't get it there. You've had guys like Tyler Algier make the transition this year. We've also seen Devin Kafusi playing linebacker. What goes into helping them get up to speed so quickly? Uh, I think a few things. We're, you know, we keep it pretty simple on defense, um, and we do that uh, for a few reasons. Uh, we want we want guys to be technically proficient, and it's hard to do that when you when you have a playbook that's, you know, too thick. And um, I think we have a smart group of players here. And then and then maybe the third element is, you know, all of our defensive coaches and our head coach. We all coach all the positions. There is no there are no boundaries. If if a cornerbacks coach sees something with the linebackers. Your coach Guilford will come over and start coaching them up. Uh, everybody is the same, and uh, we, I think our defense is simple enough that we all understand the techniques and the areas that where we're supposed to be and where the eye progressions are. And so, if you see something, we coach it. So, should we call you defensive line coach, defensive backs coach? Just go with all that. It, it really is. Okay. We, what, what we have is is we've got a bunch of defensive assistants, mm-hmm. you know, and Kalani's the head coach, and of course his background is on defense as well. And so that kind of gives us a plus one in that area. And they're really, you know, from the first day, uh, you know, Elisha Tuiaki met with the defensive staff. He said, hey, we don't, we just don't have any boundaries. And, and if you see something, say something and don't ever feel like that you're stepping on anybody's toes. You're also the special teams coordinator. Eleva struggled a little bit in the punt return game. Is that more a byproduct of the weather that night, the wind, et cetera? I think it's a, a couple of things. And the first is for me to keep in mind is that he's, his track record of, yeah. of fielding punts successfully is too long to doubt, start doubting him right now. Um, the, uh, it was it was a great weather night. That, that wasn't an issue at all. But their punter also kicked a lot of end over end punts that are kind of a backspin kind of thing. And those are those should be easier to catch. Mm-hmm. But we don't get a lot of that work in practice. And and one of our punters, Danny Jones, actually kicks an end over end style punt. And I, looking back on it, I wish I would have prepared to level a little more with a few a few catches from Danny. How do you think the special teams have been performing the last couple of weeks in particular? The uh, the coverage has been outstanding. Yeah, we, we've we've had a little bit of a drop off in our opportunities to return, um, but uh, but our coverage, we have faced some of the top uh, kickoff return teams in, in the country, and uh, some really dangerous guys. USC at that time they were the number one kickoff return team when we faced them. Uh, Utah State Scarver. and then uh, yeah, Scarver and he he had already returned to. Uh, to the house and then Boise State it had some huge ones on the year and uh, the kickoff guys have, have shut them down and it all starts with the kicker putting it in the right spot and then you got to have 10 11 guys that are willing to run down there and get off blocks and and lay their body out do you kind of lament the fact that the NCAA and football in general is trying to stop guys from returning kicks I, I don't I don't I don't really get into that you know if I were on the rules committee I, I would formulate an opinion I'd, I'd vet the issue and research it a little harder I, I think you know the overarching idea of trying to make the game a little safer mm-hmm. I certainly respect that mm-hmm. uh, football needs that and it, and it has gotten much safer in the time that I've played it and coached it but uh, you know the, I, my mindset a little more right now is like this is what exists these are the rules let's go cover like hell okay you know? yeah. just just control what you can control right yeah exactly yeah okay. yeah until somebody puts me on a committee but 
nobody's asked for my opinion yet except you. We'll lobby for you. <laughs> coach, thanks. thanks so much. Yeah, thanks. There you go, Ed Lamb, BYU assistant head coach and special teams coordinator. And I absolutely would advocate for Ed Lamb to be on a national committee, if at all possible, to kind of look at special teams. He's a guy who understands that special teams has a key role in college football games. Um, think of, if you remember Frank Beamer, the former Virginia Tech head coach, quote-unquote Beamer ball. He was a big believer that special teams were a critical part of any team's uh, game plan because it was a critical part of the game. Uh, I know Kyle Whittingham is a is a buzzword on this podcast, him being the head coach of the University of Utah, but he's a big believer in special teams and what they can do to help a team win a football game. And it's cool to see Ed Lamb really take a vested interest in BYU's special teams. You heard him talk about the fact that he said, hey, Leva Hifo's track record is much bigger than just the Utah State game. They still believe in him, and I'm going to chalk it up to just kind of a one-game bobble for Aleva Hifo and hope that it's not a continuing issue for him in terms of fielding punts, but it sounds like Ed Lamb He'd like to see special teams stay as a critical element in, in football, but he also understands, hey, there's things that can be done to make this sport safer. I, I absolutely understand it. And you also heard him talk about the linebackers, and it's kind of crazy. They're the top linebacking unit in terms of takeaways with interceptions this season. Ten as a linebacking core. Ten of BYU's 12 interceptions belong to their linebackers. Peyton Wilgar is tied for the top uh, mark in the country in terms of interceptions by a linebacker with three on the season. And you heard him talk about it. You can't be lazy with this stuff. He says those guys, when they quote-unquote get lost to the quarterback, it's because they're playing their set effectively and they're doing what these coaches are coaching them up to do. And that's all you can ask. And I think that's a really cool thing to hear him say, these guys are doing what we're do- what we're supposed to do, but they're doing it with precision and accuracy and they're executing it to perfection. And as a result, they're getting interceptions. I think BYU's got an opportunity this week. Uh, Stephen Calvert or Buckshot Calvert, Calvert, as I like to call him, the quarterback for Liberty. He's an accomplished player. He started for multiple years in a row. He's, I think he's going to start his 40th consecutive game this week against BYU. So a very capable player. But BYU will need to try and confuse him if at all possible. And it'd be great to see the linebacking core from BYU pick off one or two passes and really help turn the tide of this game for BYU. So thanks to Ed Lamb once again for joining me here on Locked on Cougars. Uh, we're coming up here in just a moment. We're going to catch up with Eric Mateos, BYU's offensive line coach. Coach. If you remember a few weeks back, it's one of the most downloaded shows in our podcast history in just over a year. He made the comment about rat poison and how it affected his offensive line. Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the emergence of Blake Freeland as a true freshman right tackle. Get to a lot of co- topics with Eric Mateos. Get some of his thoughts on the BYU offensive line here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, you guys have heard me talk about them multiple times over the previous months. We are proud to have Deseret First Credit Union as our title sponsor here on Locked On Cougars. If any of you guys pay attention to the markets, you know the interest rates are still at a crazy low number, usually sitting in the threes. You can get them around the mid threes. Well, guess what? With those numbers in terms of home mortgage rates, it's a great time to consider refinancing your mortgage with Deseret First Credit Union and put money right back into your pocket. You can reinvest that in whatever you want to do. You want to travel to more BYU away games? Do that. You want to buy season tickets with that money to BYU sporting events? Do that as well. What you need to do though, 
give the DFCU Mortgage Team a call. Talk to them about your financial situation, whatever stage of life you're in. You're looking for your dream home. You're a first-time home buyer. You've got investment properties. DFCU, Deseret First Credit Union, can help you guys out, find the right loan for your financial situation. But also, if you're looking to refinance your mortgage, get you to a lower rate, put more money back into your pocket that you can use elsewhere. Give them a call, 801-456-7070, or visit DFCU to apply in five minutes or less, guys. It's really easy. It's worth looking into, especially if it can put potentially up to hundreds of dollars back into your pocket each and every month. Think about that, guys. Give Deseret First Credit Union a call. You know why. They show how. Membership and eligibility required, OAC. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing lender. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, as promised, I caught up with Eric Mateos, BYU's offensive line coach, yesterday after practice. Talked to him about a bevy of different topics in this interview you'll hear here in just a moment. But always a good, keen, insightful interview. A guy who's not afraid to mince words. Had some great thoughts on what Blake Freeland has done as he's kind of emerged at right tackle for BYU despite being a true freshman. He talks a lot about what to expect from a young man like that as he continues to develop over time. Also get some thoughts on Joe Tukuafu, who's making the transition from playing tight end to playing offensive line and obviously we'll talk about a bevy of other topics with regards to the Cougars O-line who've really come along in recent weeks. They've been a big part of BYU's successes over the last couple of weeks keeping the quarterbacks relatively healthy. I understand we've gone through three quarterbacks speaking of BYU but I think the Cougars overall, the offensive line has really developed and they've become a strength once again of this offense. So here you go. BYU offensive line coach Eric Mateos with myself right here on Locked on Cougars. I've talked to you in the past and you talked about wingspan being a massive part of how offensive line and their, their success rate and where they play on the offensive line. I want to ask you about Blake Freeland. Mm-hmm. Guy who's started the last two games is actually graded out pretty well, I would imagine, on your guys' end if you're starting him. But what about him sets him apart being only 18 years old and doing what he's doing? Oh, he's just a tough, I mean, he's just a tough guy. I mean, uh, he's a quick learner. He's intelligent. He's got football intelligence from playing different positions. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's got grit. And when you have those two things and you're eager, you have a chance to do okay. And he's graded out okay, not... Not what we, not what we're looking for, um, in our room. He hasn't quite met that goal yet, but um, he is, um, he's improving. So that's a good, that's a good thing about it. Is he doing it more, I guess, on physical ability than actual technical knowledge at this point? Does that make sense? Um, yeah. I mean, you could, you can, you could, you could say that he's, he's doing it. Um, but he's not, he's not like out there not using any technique, yeah. but his technique from his first game to his second game was much, much better, so that was good to see. But when you haven't played um, the position a long time, yeah. uh, you don't have bad habits. And so that's been, that's been the good thing about him is that he doesn't have you know, old habits that we got to break. He's, he's, a, he's a piece of clay, and we get to mold him and do what we want with him. So. We saw Keanu come back last week, but he moved inside to guard. What pr- prompted that move? Uh, just getting the best five. Okay. Just getting the best five. I mean, Keanu's an awesome guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an awesome tackle. He's a great mm-hmm. tackle. He's got the longest arms uh, on our line, probably longer than Blake. Okay. Um, 
but that was really just about getting uh, getting the best five guys that we thought um, could help us win the game. So when you pick positions for guys, that's always the number one priority is finding the best five. It's having like a guy like that running behind that offensive line. Speaking of Sione Fino, he just walked by. Yeah, uh, I mean he's a he's an okay kid, you know. <laughs> I don't get. I don't. I don't like to. I don't like to feed them too much love. Just, I'm just kidding. He's a. He's an awesome guy and fun. All all running backs that want to move forward with the football. Those are always guys that are fun. Fun to watch. Fun to block for. We talked to Kalani on Monday and we were asking him about Blake Freeland and he talked about the fact that he sees he thinks James Empey could play all five positions in the offensive line. Mm-hmm. He said that Tristan Hodge is the same way. He said he likes the idea of having these versatile guys playing on the offensive line, just because. Of, their ability to be athletes, I guess, mm-hmm. in essence. Do you kind of see that whole same scenario or same philosophy? Like ability? Yeah, ability. They, they, yeah. they can move to different positions if they had to, but they're capable of the position they're playing. Yeah, so what we what we did during uh, training camp, um, I took a week, I think week three of training camp, and every day of practice that week, mm-hmm. we did a team session where I just made everybody play a random position. Okay. And... Um, to me, there's a couple reasons I do that. One reason is see guys play other positions and just see how they look and function. The other reason is just to push their, their football IQ where, you know, I think we had we had James playing left tackle during that and we had guys playing different positions and the reason for that is that for them to say, oh, wait a second, I'm not so sure what the this guy does on this play and it pushes them to get to a spot where okay, I know what all five guys do on every play. And so part of that is a little bit of uh, Jedi mind tricks, and some of that is to, to evaluate guys at different spots. So we did that week three of camp, and it just allowed us to make mental notes and of where what guys could do at different spots. And that's about the time we decided to, to move Switch Chandon and Keanu. was because yeah. we watched Keanu out there, and we said, this guy's as good, good a right tackle as, as we could possibly put out on our team. And, uh, and then he went out and proved it against Utah and USC and several several big time opponents. So, yeah, it's a big it's a big deal to play all five. Joe Tukuafu was a tight end. He's moved it into playing offensive line. You've had him on the interior of the line. What what does what does he bring to the table you can work with? Just eth- he's athletic, mm-hmm. uh, much like I mentioned with Blake. He doesn't have a lot of bad habits, and he's coachable. Um, He's already. I mean, he was fighting to stay low on his weight mm-hmm. when he was playing tight end. He was fighting to stay at 270. Yeah. He's already 290 something pounds, and and being his true self, as I like to tell him, like <laughs> you finally get to be your true self. And he's just really athletic, and and uh, he's a, f- a fun guy to have in the room, and um, he can run, and he's and he's he's learning to be a little bit more physical. You know, yeah. I think I remind him every day about. You know, we had a third and one against Toledo where he got beat when he was playing tight end, and I remind him about it often. Okay. Say, hey, that can't ever be you again, especially if you're playing on the old line now. So um, he's one of those guys that, that just brings a lot to the table, both from an ability standpoint and from a personality. It's fun to have him in the room. You guys have navigated a number of injuries over the last month or so along the offensive line. Is that something that you guys, I don't know, you, you can't plan for, I guess is, is the easiest way to say it, but... Do you guys have contingency plans in place saying, okay, if this guy were to go down, we have X number of players that can step in? Yeah, I mean, that's um, you have to. If you don't have that, you're going to find yourself at some point in your career hurting. you got to go through those scenarios every Friday, I believe, and 
Um, and me and Coach Grimes have had experience with that before. I remember there was a you know, when we played Mississippi State in 2016 at LSU, we went through seven O-line combinations in one game because of uh, because of injuries. So we've played that we play that game on a weekly basis. And we we go through all the scenarios. Some of them aren't, aren't very pleasant to think about, sure. but you just have to go through them every week just so you're ready for those moments and. Um, sometimes it's as easy as a guy's helmet pops off and his backup just yeah. just pops in there. But again, the goal is always to get the best five guys out there you can, mm-hmm. and limit how many guys you're shuffling to do that. Gotcha. So you know if if there's one move you make that makes three guys mm-hmm. play a different position, rather than another move that only makes two guys switch mm-hmm. versus another move that only makes one guy switch. Well, you got to weigh those things, uh, and they all go into the decision process. So. I wanted to ask you, obviously a few weeks back you had dropped two games in a row. Now you've won two games in a row. How different is the mood right now than it was, say, three weeks ago? Um, I think the mood's, the mood's better, obviously. I mean, it's always easier to come to yeah. work when you're winning the game. Um, but my challenge to these guys has been, especially after the Boise game, was don't, don't settle. Um, don't listen to anyone telling you how good you are. Just be hungry, come to work, and and we we really have really focused on us. Yep. That's been really our theme for a couple weeks. <laughs> is hey, let's not worry about um, what other people say about us. Let's not really worry about our opponent. Let's just worry about us and how we play the game. And I think we've seen some some uh, some progress with that mindset to not worry about anything else besides us getting better. And I think it's, it's showing. Last thing for me is a couple of weeks ago, you, you you made the comment rat poison about your guys mm-hmm. on, in an interview I did with you. Mm-hmm. Have have, th- have things changed or? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm telling. I just got done telling them, like they're they're going to class right now mm-hmm. after beating a rival, and people want to keep talking to them about the game. And just don't don't listen to them. It's poison. It'll kill you slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that has not changed. I mean, as far as. Our approach to that, that has not changed. I mean, I, um, I might not have, I think I've probably been a little bit less of a coach nice guy the last few weeks, and I thought we needed that. I thought that we needed a kick in the pants, and that's kind of been the approach, and the boys have responded, and they're playing hard, they're playing well. well you know, we're controlling the line of scrimmage, and, you know, at the same time, we I thought we had to do a better job of putting them in, in successful positions. I mean, I thought there was a... Um, you know, we, we went and looked at, after those losses, we went and looked at the things we were doing mm-hmm. in the run game, things we were doing in protection, and figuring out the things as coaches we could do to help minimize bad situations. And um, we've done that. We've, we've been leaning on some, yeah, some different run schemes than we did earlier in the season, and I think it's uh, been beneficial for us and we've been uh, thriving but we got to keep getting better our run efficiency versus Boise State was poor mm-hmm. we were only in the 40% run efficiency this past game was better we were in the 60, uh, 62 which is your goal is 60 in my opinion but um, we got to keep keep pressing coach thanks so much I appreciate it thanks man there you go Eric Mateos BYU offensive line coach and you heard him talk about it hey I'm still worried about the whole poison thing and he understands that the outside noise is what can affect his guys because they're young they're impressionable still we're speaking of guys like Blake Freeland he's only 18 years old you have guys like James Ampey and Tristan Hodge who are a little bit older 21 years old etc but they're still relatively young men and the outside noise and pressure can affect them and it has affected them you heard it from Eric Mateos a few weeks ago 
when he called it rat poison and he felt like they got a little too big for their britches after the USC win and the plaudits they earned for their play in that game, etc. You can tell he has continued to pound on these guys, will pound into them, that you worry about you. Don't listen to the outside noise. You handle your business between the lines and take care of business and let everything else just kind of handle itself and I think that's the right approach to take especially as a unit as an offensive line because you have five guys who have to work in sync in synchronicity with each other and you need to be on the same page you can't have outside pressure noise affecting you and making you think one thing when you've got four other guys thinking another thing you just can't have that and it's good to hear guys like Eric Mateos talk about the fact that he just continues to harp on these guys and it's not to just be a to to be a jerk about it It's, it's be real it's not it's not him trying to be a jerk he's just trying to make it clear to these guys that guess what all that matters at the end of the end of the day is winning football games and if you let the outside noise get to you and it affects your play and we lose games as a result well guess what I'm absolutely going to jump down your throat and I'm going to let you know about it he said he's been a little more of the of the tough guy the tough coach the mean coach the bad cop to the good cop it's kind of thing over the previous few weeks and that's that's great to hear I, I like what Eric Mateos the approach he has taken. I know that Jeff Grimes has taken on a much bigger role in terms of working with BYU's offensive line, and I don't think that's by mistake that BYU's offensive line has really had a resurgence in recent weeks in the wins over Boise State and Utah State. So there you go. Thanks again to Eric Mateos, as well as Ed Lamb earlier for joining us here on Locked on Cougars. All right, coming up here in just a second, we'll catch you up on everything else going on in BYU sports news, women's soccer with a big win on the road. We'll obviously get you the Thursday night schedule as well. Another win also for Peter Kest from the BYU Men's Golf Program. We'll talk about that. Before we do that, though, do need to remind you guys that Manscaped is the number is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at manscaped.com. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, as we close out today's edition of the podcast, wanted to recap everything that we saw happen in other BYU sports yesterday. Let's start off in Spokane, Washington. BYU women's soccer ranked number four in the country. They rolled up three goals early as they rolled Gonzaga 3-0 for yet another win. The Cougars remain unbeaten on the season, 17-0-1, 7-0-1 in West Coast Conference play. Just an impressive, impressive showing because Gonzaga's been one of the better teams in the West Coast Conference. Of course, former BYU BYU assistant up there now coaching and BYU now heads back to Southfield for senior night as they host Loyola Marymount this coming Saturday at 8 o'clock Mountain Time. The game will be streamed on the WCC network and obviously you'll be able to hear the broadcast on various of the BYU Sports Network radio channels as well. It's going to be a full day of BYU sports by the way. you got BYU basketball on Saturday at 2 o'clock. Speaking of men's basketball, these are all home games. Football at 5.30 and women's soccer at 8 o'clock. You can make it a full triple header if you 
really wanted to. You might overlap a little bit football and women's soccer, but should be an exciting day all the same on the campus of Brigham Young University. One other note from yesterday that we saw yesterday play out is that Peter Kess, the number one ranked men's golfer in the country, he's just had a stellar season. Well, he finished off the fall season for the BYU men's golf program, shooting a final round 67. That was four under, leading the number four ranked BYU men's golf team into a second place finish at the St. Mary's Invitational, but taking home the individual title. Peter Kestman, he's going to be on the PGA Tour before too long, and it's awesome to see him leading BYU to glory. He's done a great job this year. Rhett Rasmussen recorded his fourth top 10 finish of the fall season after tying for sixth place. Kelton Hirsch and Carson Lundell rounded out the scoring for BYU, finishing tied for 29th and 40th, respectively, at the tournament. Great showing for the Cougars overall, finishing 20 under, five strokes back of Colorado State, finishing alone in second place, four strokes ahead of Arizona. So just an awesome, awesome showing for the BYU men's golf program as they finish up their fall season. They have won two tournaments, finishing up runner-up, in three other tournaments this season. They begin the spring season in January at the Southwestern Invitational on January 27th and the 28th. Just a fantastic showing for BYU men's golf. One other player I forgot to mention is Cole Ponich, finished two under, tied for 16th. I believe that's actually his best finish of the fall season. So number four ranked men's golf program finishing off the fall season in fine fashion. And congratulations to Peter Kest on that big time victory there at the St. Mary's Invitational. All right, sorry my, for my voice, by the way. My voice is just getting thrashed. I do a lot of radio. Obviously, you guys hear me on this podcast every day. So if it's been ha- sounding pretty hammered, well, we're late stages of the college football season. This seems to happen every year with me, so pardon my voice. But one final note for you before we go today is that BYU Women's Volleyball is back in action tonight. Uh, they will be hosting, well, they're not hosting, they're at Santa Clara at the Levy Event Center in Stockton taking on in Stockton. They're in Santa Clara taking on the Santa Clara Broncos. It's a women's volleyball. It'll be streamed on the WCC Network tonight at 8 o'clock Mountain Time if you want to watch that. Also, the men's and women's tennis programs are in Southern California this week, split across three different tournaments. The ITA Fall Championships are in Newport Beach. The Southern California Intercollegiate is in Los Angeles. And then the CSUN Invitational, obviously, in Northridge, California. So best of luck to the men's and women's tennis teams as they participate in those three different invitations and tournaments. All right, that'll do it for today. Thanks again for joining us. Be back tomorrow, getting you ready for San Diego State in basketball, Liberty in football, big weekend hand in BYU sports with both the men's basketball program and football program facing games this weekend. We'll preview those tomorrow for you guys and obviously keep you up to date on everything else going on in BYU sports news. Please follow, please follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LockedOnCougars or please drop us a note, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. My personal Twitter feed is at Jacob C. Hatch. Thanks again for joining us on the Thursday edition of the show. We'll talk to you soon. This has been Locked on Cougars for November 7th, 